Greetings, innovators. How are you? How you doing? How's it going? Thank you for joining me for another episode of Vividly Speaking with who else but me, Dr. Vivid. Again, thank you for all your support, your likes, your shares, your listens, your submissions for Whale Mail. You guys are awesome. You keep me motivated. You keep me wanting to do this. When I tell you I've always wanted to, but you guys, you you really increased the desire and the passion for this little old podcast of mine. So come on, let's get into this week's episode. Let's go. So we're back again. Thank you for joining me. How has your week been? I hope that if it was stressful, you're getting some relief and you're taking care of yourself. I hope that if it was wonderful, you realize that you deserve every piece of joy that your week delivered to you. But as for me and my piece, (laughs) last week was a little rough for me this week to just um, end it. Still dealing with the oral surgery craziness in my mouth. So if you hear me pausing, that means I had an ouchy moment. And I'm trying to regain my composure before I just flatline and lay on the floor due to pain. (laughs) But I got more meds. Um, I took a whole day not to talk at all this week, which was so great for my spirit and my physical pain. Um... I realize I give a lot of myself and sometimes I should remember to give to me a little bit more. And sometimes giving to me a little bit more is just hoarding my voice and paying attention to my reflective thoughts and giving energy to me. And of course my kids, but even my kids were with the shits. They were like, right on this dry erase board, girl. I can read, says the big, small human. I can understand gestures, says the smallest, small human. And they were great with it. I really appreciate my kids. If you hear any type of music in this week's episode in the background, my neighbor is having a full-on jam session. And you know what? He deserves that if he wants to have it. That's his safe space. We're going to honor his safe space. (laughs) My kids, I think, are also finishing up their bedtime stories. I have my biggest small human read two bedtime stories a night to the smallest small human to just kind of reinforce the skills that she already has and create a sense of wonder and anticipation for the smallest human. And I love hearing how animated they are while they're listening to each other talk about the story. It's, it warms my heart. And also, yeah, I read to my kids, but again, we're talking about safe spaces. I love the safe space that they have created for themselves. So just, this is, I don't pick a story. They pick their stories. They, you know, don't need any of my input. They're like, we're reading our story. I'll say, I may remind them, hey, it's time for bed, time to read your story. But other than that, they don't need me. The most I may be uh, corralled in is if there's a new word that the biggest small human hasn't encountered. Sis will be like, mom, don't know this word. What's this word? I tell her, she goes, oh, okay, thank you. Boom, goes right back into storytelling. And I love it. I I don't encroach upon that time. I want them to build their sibling moments with each other. They deserve that space. We all deserve safe space. This week, um, you know, it was my father's heavenly birthday. He would have been 52 this year. And I was preparing myself because I know his birthday was the 10th. And I know that sometimes it takes the wind out of me. Sometimes I'm doing better than I thought I would. But this week, this birthday was a little bit heavier because remember I talked about the complexities of grief, right? But I wanted to shout out um, 
my TikTok family. You guys know I go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time for Cope Chat with Dr. Vivid on TikTok. And I was transparent and said, you know, I wanted to hold this space. I, I went back and forth about whether I was going to do it with friends. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. And everyone who was in the room managed to create a safe space for me. And usually it's a time where we just do Q&A or they ask questions about certain diagnoses or medications or scenarios we talk about and we talk it through. We had one or two questions, three questions maybe, but most of it was just beautifully holding a space for me. And I'm so thankful. I am so appreciative. And I really think it models, I model a safe space and they reciprocated that energy, which is a lesson. The energy that you give to others will come back to you in ways that sometimes you can't even fathom. But when it presents itself, accept it because this is your loving karma. This is your payment for being the person that you are. All right, guys, let's get into this week's episode. Let's get into it. Time for our first segment. You know what it is. What's happening? What goes on here? What is happening? (sighs) So, I was looking at my phone, you know, scrolling around on social media platforms on Issa Rae's internet. And Donald Trump appeared spewing the craziest of craziness about Haitian immigrants and basically saying that Haitian immigrants What did he say? He basically said that most of Haitians and Haitian immigrants that are seeking refuge in our country have HIV or AIDS. And my head instantly started thumping. I had a headache due to immediate exposure to ignorance and blatant stupidity. I want you guys to understand that as much as Donald Trump irritates my entire spirit, it's not him that made me have the what goes on here moment. It was the fact that we are in our year of Rihanna 2021 and people are still uninformed and spreading negativity and straight up lies when it comes to HIV and AIDS, which is incredibly dangerous. It breeds prejudice. It gives way for more stereotypes, stigma, shame, hate-based violence, diagnosis, hunting, we we really have to educate ourselves more. And I think it's because that, you know, HIV and AIDS, we went through a big, uh, we went through a pandemic with, with HIV and AIDS as well. And the late 80s, early 90s was a very scary time. And there was so much misinformation. And then As the decades went on, there's new technology. People are living fulfilling and much longer lives. The quality of life for those with these diagnoses, you know, it, it improved. And people stopped teaching facts related to HIV and AIDS in schools or stopped talking about it heavily in certain um, communities and agencies. So what I hear ignorant spewed, I instantly go back and remember we let our foot up off the gas when it came to informing people about 
these diagnoses. Who's to blame? The, the rhetoric here is very dangerous because it continues to promote this very racist view about Haitians um, and how they should be viewed by the rest of the world, how they should be viewed by society. He says something like 98% of Haitians have HIV and AIDS. That number, I don't know what he pulled it out of. I'm trying to, you know, not go there and be, <laughs> say what I know he pulled it out of, but it's dangerous. That's dangerous. So I really believe that the what goes on here moment is we forgot how these diagnoses really impact the world, impact our country, impact humans just trying to live their day-to-day lives and therefore created a new breed of people who are ignorant, who are <laughs> hella misinformed, undereducated, but so very loud. <laughs> so we got to get back to protecting ourselves from the spread of ignorance and stereotypes. So when you hear someone spread some crazy nonsense about Haitian immigrants in regards to HIV AIDS or their reasons for refuge, please correct them. We don't want misinformation to spread. We don't want a group to be labeled negatively because that harms that harms these group of, this group of people, not just in the moment, but for years to come, as people run with this narrative and the story is passed down and the chunks of the conversation are delivered to more and more people. Let's stop the spread of misinformation and work on educating ourselves. All right. Because every time I look at Twitter and Facebook and y'all retweet some this like terribly inaccurate or blatantly false, I'm like, well, how, how, what's going on? What's happening? What goes on here? Oh my God, makes my hair hurt. Ugh. Greetings, innovators. I wanted to talk to you about Anchor. Have you heard of it? If you haven't, guess what? You've already been informally introduced because Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast, and I know that because that's how I create my podcast, Vividly Speaking with Dr. Vivid. It's free. It's loaded with a ton of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast, and you can do it from your phone. If you're on the go doing a lot of interviews, you can do it from your computer, and also, you don't even have to do the heavy lifting when it comes to distribution. Uh-huh. Yeah. You heard that. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. Therefore, it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more platforms. And Anchor also helps you make money. Yes. Yes. And there aren't any minimum listenership rules with their sponsorship. So it's essentially everything you need to make a podcast a successful podcast, a less stressful podcast (laughs) in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Tell them Dr. Vivid sent you. So this week, I wanted to talk to you guys about trauma. And before we get into it, I wanted to issue this trigger warning. We're not going to go into explicit details but we are going to talk about different types of trauma, how it can create triggers and how trauma can impact your life. So if you want to come back to this episode when you're in a safer space, a better headspace, you're so, so welcome to, or you can even fast forward and get to the other stuff. But I think it's important that we talk about it. So 
Here's me taking a quick beat so you can decide if you want to fast forward, save this for later, or keep it pushing. Go. All right. <laughs> Listen, I want to honor everybody's space and that their head space is included. So, trauma. I've been asked um, on so many different platforms to discuss trauma and how we recover, how um, we push through, push on, how trauma impacts us. But first, I wanted to talk to you about what trauma is. So trauma is an emotional response to a usually a terrible or tragic event. It can be an accident. It can be a violent act. It can be a natural disaster. It can be direct. It can be something that you witnessed secondhand, thirdhand. It can be something that's repeated. And many of us, have witnessed traumatic things. Many of us have traumatic experiences and trauma is trauma. I don't, you know, give rank to trauma. A natural disaster, domestic violence, sexual violence, sexual abuse, neglect, all of these things are in a basket and none, none of them are ranked greater than the other. And I take issue with people who make others feel like their experience isn't as impactful, that their experience wasn't the same as what they, what another person endured. So they must minimize how they talk about it. That's BS. You don't know how this experience changed someone's life. You don't know how this experience marked someone's spirit. So we're not in the comparison zone. Trauma is trauma is trauma. Just wanted to get that out the way. So we have different types of trauma. We can have acute trauma. That means there was a, a single incident that occurred. You can have chronic trauma, which is repeated and prolonged. So we you can think about that in terms of like violence, abuse, neglect. And then you have complex drama, trauma which is exposure to varied or multiple traumatic events. And it can be invasive or interpersonal. So thinking about someone witnessing domestic violence in their home, violence in their community, um, natural disasters, someone that is dealing with interpersonal abuse or violence, neglect, and these things have been occurring in their life for years, or they have been just put in situations, environments, and, and they have lived experiences where the trauma can have the same theme or it can have multiple themes, and it, it takes a toll. Chronic trauma as well, acute trauma as well, all take a toll. Um, chronic exposure to anything <laughs> will definitely change the way someone looks at the world. And I think that's a big thing to remember when you're talking about dealing with the after effects of experienced trauma. When you're talking about someone who has experienced a traumatic event, you have to understand that once they experience that event, that one event or those repeated chronic events or those multiple events 
changed how they interact with the world. It changed certain parts of their thought process, maybe even their belief system. It changed how they take in their environment. It changed how they go about creating relationships with other people, how they approach others, how they allow people to approach them. Because they experienced something that left so many different marks. And we have to hold space to respect that. See, the thing about trauma is the after effects can be immediate. Like you can experience a traumatic event and immediately have things occur, such as shock, um, utter devastation, depression, anxiety, confusion, so many things. Or it can be a delayed reaction. You experience something and it's then the after effects kind of sneak up on you hours later, days later, weeks later, months later. It's real. Things can even linger and weave in and out of your life years after the traumatic experience, if we're talking about uh, triggers, reactions, emotional responses. Because trauma literally reprograms how you respond to the world. I wanted to make that clear when I discussed the different types of trauma. I really want you guys to understand that it's a rewiring that can be jarring, that can be something that forces us to isolate that can be something that we don't even realize until someone points it out to us. Now, I have a trauma history. Um, I have a lot of friends and family members with trauma histories. And of course, I'm a clinician, so I work with clients that have trauma histories. And the way our after effects manifest, some of them are very similar and some of them are very, very different. But one thing that remains absolutely consistent is the fact that the way we thought about things before the experience and the way we think about things after has completely shifted. For instance, if you think about someone who's experienced abuse, physical sexual, financial abuse, mental abuse in a relationship, in a romantic relationship, the way that they go about love and connections with people after they ended that relationship, after they've disconnected with their abuser, is different. They may have set up a whole list of boundaries and be really stern with them. Or they may say, you know what? I trust no one. So my boundary is I'm not being bothered. (laughs) I don't want to connect. And then you have others that have been rewired in a way that They run after relationships and love, hoping things will be different and trying to be a step ahead of every red flag, every possible mistake, misstep, or everything that could go wrong. And baby, that could be mentally exhausting in itself. You have people who experience or witness 
violence within the home um, via caregivers or parents and you see them purposely seeking out people that either are the farthest thing, the you know, the furthest thing away from what they saw in their household. Or if one of the people, that's one of the survivors um, that they witnessed being abused, if they just loved that person and did everything that they could in their, in their childhood brain to develop so much empathy and want to support that person and want to be strong for that person. You may see them going after pursuing relationships that remind them of that person. And, and there are situations where even the, those that are the abuser, the perpetrator, the rewiring may have occurred to make us feel like that's all that we're worthy of. So we unconsciously connect with people who show traits and characteristics of the person that was the abuser, was the perpetrator, was the toxicity. Trauma is complex, babies, honey, child. Think about natural disaster. People who have gone through hurricanes, flooding, wildfires, earthquakes that are devastating. The way they cherish belongings or go about acquiring things, keeping things safe, may be completely different. You could misplace something of theirs and the reaction be so huge and you not understand it. Because you're not understanding the fear and the anxiety connected to the traumatic event that made them see their belongings in a whole different light. They lost things that were sentimental. They lost things that were valuable. And they had to put their lives back together again. So every single thing is important to them. It holds importance. On the other side of that coin, you may have people who experience natural disasters and lost people, lost homes, lost things, and now go about life trying not to be connected to things. So if it leaves, they won't be as hurt as the first time. Repeat it with me. Trauma is complex and it rewires the way we experience the world. Think about your own experiences with trauma. And it might not be direct. Even think about that suspenseful psychological thriller that you watched or a horror movie that you watched, a television show that you watched, a dramedy or a drama where a character went through something and you see them days after, months after, and parts of their personality seem blunted. You see them locking doors, checking windows. You see them being short with people, dealing with irritation, being standoffish, withdrawn, isolating themselves. And you're like, mm-hmm, I bet after that happened, that's crazy. Or you say things like me, yep, stay ready. That readiness is a response to what they went through. Those changes, that preparedness, are responses to trying to protect themselves from reliving, from going through that all over again. So when we talk about treating people who have experienced trauma, I want you to understand that there is no get over it. There is a get through. There is a move. There is not a move on. There is a, I am moving in spite of what has occurred in my life. There is a, I am learning how to live 
despite what occurred. There is a, I am taking it day by day as a result of what I've endured. Because we're not here to fix this person. No, 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 no. They don't need to be fixed. They need to be honored. They need to be understood, validated. They need to process what happened to them and think about ways that they can use certain tools to make daily living livable to make it easier as they continue to live life to do some more rewiring so that everything won't be a triggering struggle so that they can have more good days than meh days or bad days but let's be very clear. It's not a move on, get over it. It's a, I'm going to keep moving because I've processed, because I understand the impact that it had on me. I understand that this relationship, the breakout, the fall, the breakup, the fallout, changed the way I trust people, changed the way I see relationships, changed the way I see marriage change the way I see intimacy. I understand that what I endured as a child uh, because of my family and my parents and my caregivers and my upbringing changed the way I, I see religion, changed the way I see friendships, relationships, changed my entire definition of family, changed again what I consider to be trustworthy. I understand because of what I experienced when witnessing violence, it changes how I see life. It changes the way I say hello and goodbye to those that I love, those that I value. It changes the way I drive home, I wait for the bus, I consider calling an Uber or Lyft. It changes how much information I divulge when I'm talking about my coming and my going. It changes how I lock my doors and close my windows. It changes when I leave my house, how I leave my house, how I can go about protecting my house myself. I understand that experiencing a natural disaster changes my idea of what safety is, changes the way I think about home, shelter, what I think about material things, what I think about sentiment and gift giving, what I think about waste what I think about spending or hoarding. I have to understand that my experience with abandonment or abuse or neglect changes the way I see mealtime, food in front of me, how I grocery shop, how I pay my bills, how I think about my finances. How I process purchases. How I justify gift giving or pouring into myself or my family. Trauma changes things. But just because it creates those changes doesn't mean you can't build upon what you've gone through. And talk about how those changes, how that rewiring makes you feel. Does it make you feel safe? Does it make you feel more insecure? Does it make you more keyed up? What does it do for you? What purpose is the new reframing, the new thought process serving? The new behaviors, the new protection, the new defense mechanisms, what are they serving? The most important takeaway 
when we, one of the most, because there are so many important takeaways in the conversation regarding trauma and processing and moving through life after trauma, is understanding that it's not a one day process. It's something that is continuous. You, just like grief, you can experience days where you're like, I'm in good spirits and the rewiring isn't really impacting me in a negative way. And then a couple of weeks later, something may happen. Something may be said that triggers you. An anniversary of an event may come up and you may go, oh my gosh, I'm spiraling. Or, oh my gosh, why do I feel this way? It's okay. You've gone through something that altered your life, that changed things that shook your shit up. Therefore, you're going to have moments of aftershock. You're going to have moments where it doesn't feel just like it, but it feels a little bit familiar. And it's okay. Talk about it. You know, I'm going to say it. Talk to your therapist. That's a safe way to process those feelings, those changes, those rewiring and getting you a nice tool of skills to help you better understand what's gone on in your life, how it's impacted you and what you can do to move forward. Not move on, but move forward. Move on has this connotation of just forget about it. No, 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 no. It's bigger than a stubbed toe or, you know, ah, the dollar that fell out of my wallet. This is trauma. We're not just going to move on and forget about it. We're going to do something to help us process it. We're going to do something to help ourselves understand that it's not an overnight process and there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're not... (laughs) beyond repair because you're experiencing these impacts because you're taking some emotional or mental hits because of the things that you've gone through, experienced, and and endured. You're a human with emotional responses. You're a human with cognitive responses. You're a human with a spirit, with a soul that can get heavy. Take it one step at a time. And let the goal for you not be to move on or forget. Let the goal for you be to process, compartmentalize what you need to, shift what you need to, but to heal in the best way, in the way that's right for you. If that's processing it in therapy, talking about it, and then saying, you know what, that narrative is done as far as processing now I'm going to put my energy on something in something else whether that be let me link up with other people with um, similar stories and go to groups or volunteer my time talking and connecting whether it be starting your own foundation whether it be connecting just saying hello and I understand and being an ear for someone who's gone through something like you've gone through whether it be Listen, I don't know if I have the energy to give to other people, but I'm going to write my story myself. I'm going to take time each day to honor myself and to measure my healing by the amount of growth, by the amount of positive things that I've been doing with my life, by, damn, I remember what it was like back then, but look at me right now. I can only imagine where I can go. If I can be in such a dark place and find myself to in a place of just a little light, oh my gosh, stepping into the full light of the sun is going to blow your mind. So be gentle with yourself. Take time to process safely. Understand that you're not alone. Understand that your trauma is no bigger, no smaller than someone else's and understand that you lived 
this experience for how many minutes, hours, seconds, years. And it may take longer than that for you to process and heal. And that's okay. To any of you who have experienced trauma, I want to tell you, I love you. And it does get easier. And I'm here for you. And for those of you who haven't but know people who have, tell them how much you love them, how much you value them, and how much you're here for them when it comes for them going after their healing, chasing the life that they deserve. It's time for whale mail, whale mail. We got whale mail. Whale mail is the segment of our episode where I answer questions that have been provided, submitted to me by you in the social media and email streets. So thank you. Thank you so much. I was going to sing a jingle. I'm really going to work on a whale mail jingle. But my mouth said, sis. Sing. Be grateful that I'm letting you talk, you uncultured swine. Do you not remember oral surgery pain? <laughs> Ambitious. <laughs> Ow. But yes. So today's well mail comes from a combination. The well mail comes from the TikTok streets and also my personal life streets. Sometimes people ask questions um, and they're already in a they're already in my life. They're not necessarily an Instagram follower. You know, I prefer the word innovator, TikTok, Twitter. They're like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. You can talk to your the folks on your podcast about this as well. And that's what happened. So we're gonna talk about change. Because the questions that were asked on TikTok and the questions that were asked in my personal, um, I guess you could say the in vivo well mail submission was how do we process change when people in our lives are not being receptive to that change? Sometimes we do things for ourselves or we elevate, we transition, we move on, move around. We add or subtract things from our lives. And people around us get bothered (laughs) because they're so used to seeing the old you, the old responses, the old connection, the old communication style. And that's what they were comfortable with. They're not comfortable with the you that is setting boundaries, that is saying no, that is putting themselves first, that is protecting themselves. And they don't like that they don't have the same access to you as they used to have. That bothers their complete soul. But guess what? That's their problem and not yours. A surefire way to know that you're changing and something is cooking and you are actively involved in your change is resistance and defensiveness and pushback from other people around you. Let's think about it. When something no longer fits, we complain about it. Them jeans you put on pre-pandemic versus when you put them on about mm, three or four months into the pandemic or even now, do they fit the same, bro? Sis? Fam? Do they? No, right? And when you put them on and notice that I don't like the way this feels, I don't like it. You made a face. You made a comment. You may have even got discouraged. And you know what you did? You took them off. Now, some of you (laughs) may try to tough it out and be like, I'm going to see what this, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see what happens. I'm just going to wear it. I'm going to see what happens. And then notice that you were completely uncomfortable And you didn't like the way you felt the whole time you were trying to make something fit that you obviously, for the meantime, for the current time, you've outgrown. This is what happens when we're dealing with people in our lives. 
you have outgrown the normal response you give them, the normal interactions, and they don't like the way that fits. It just doesn't fit the same. It's not giving what was supposed to be gave. <laughs> it's uncomfortable for them. So in turn, they try to make it uncomfortable for you and question you, push back, um, be defensive, um, sometimes be offensive and disrespectful, hoping that they can get you to budge and hoping that this approach will put you in your place or bring you back to their comfortable level of accessibility. Nah, don't, don't fall for it. They're just trying to get you stuck in the loop of communication choices and a style of living that isn't what you deserve, isn't what you need. Their inability to adapt, see you as a person that deserves, needs, wants more, is healing, is growing, and is shedding the things that weigh you down is not really your problem. It's their problem. And the fact that they are bothered by this shows that you're moving in the right direction. And you're like, what? Them being upset, them being mad, people cutting me off, people being mean, cussing me out, sign of me moving in the right direction? Yes. Their behaviors, their actions, their interactions with you are showing you what people are for you what people are willing to grow with you, and what people you need to discard. The people that you need to weed out of your garden. Be thankful for their shenanigans. Be thankful, be grateful for their defensiveness, their resistance, and their pushback. Because it's giving, the, it's giving you the information you need to continue to make decisions that are right for you. When someone shows you who they are, believe them and believe me that them showing you this when you're just starting your changes and your transitions, oh, it's saving you time. It's saving you time from keeping them around or being stuck in a holding pattern, just sitting there waiting and wondering how everybody will receive this. No, they're showing you. So now you can decide where to properly use your energy, how to properly move through life, who to cut off, who to give a little bit more space while they process what's going on, and who you should keep by your side because they're being supportive AF. Change is really about going through uncomfortable situations, experiencing discomfort so you can get the comfort that you desire. So it may be uncomfortable for you to deal with their discomfort, but now that you have this information, now that you see how people are responding, you can now continue with the boundaries and the techniques and the movement, the trajectory that is right for you because you see what your obstacles are clearly. So let's move around. Tell them, move around, move around, <laughs> move around. Put people where they need to be placed. If that's on the curb, that's on the curb. If that's in your heart, that's in your heart. If you don't know, give them distance and let them watch you evolve and see how they respond as you're going through your transitional cycles. Do they, are they defensive at first, but then they realize, wow, they really needed this or they changed for the better or they're moving in a way that I never thought they would move. Good for them. Accept that. They were ignorant to the process and then became informed as they watched you. If they're just completely dismissive and disrespectful and defensive, it's very much to do with something going on inside of them. And it could definitely be because you're taking the time to free yourself and change for the better and do the things that serve you. And they haven't figured out how to do that by themselves. How dare you get free and you leave me here? How dare you move in a way that makes me feel like you're better than me when that's not really your intent. Your intent is to be better for you. Hmm. 
don't worry so much about how people are impacted or affected by affected by how you're changing for the better, how you're changing for yourself. Pay attention to what you change into. Pay attention to what this change means for you and pay attention to the things that you need to make this change. Not necessarily painless, but without unnecessary injury. And that means putting distance between yourself and other people and other things when need be, acknowledging that certain communication, certain relationships will come to a stop, but not internalizing is it, oh, it's all my fault. No, it's their loss for not cheering you on as you gained everything that is rightfully yours. Hmm. Hope that helps you. Thanks for your well mail submission. You can submit well mail by DMing me, Instagram at Dr. Vivid, tweeting me at Dr. Vivid with doctor spelled out, um, emailing me at contact at drvivid.com, or sending me a message via TikTok. I'm Dr. Vivid, aka Glitter in Genetics. There. I love reading and listening to your submissions. You guys are so great. Thank you for your vulnerability, your bravery, and trusting me to get your message across in a safe space. So it's time to take a beat. This is the segment, the part of the podcast episode where I talk to you about certain songs that I've been playing that have given me joy, given me peace, allowed me to reflect, or just allow me to sit with an emotion in a safe way. And to be honest, I'm not even going to hold you. This isn't going to be a long segment. The songs that I have been playing this whole week, especially on my dad's birthday, October Sky by Yeba, Spiral Season, Jojo, um, Lift, Jojo, Um, and also World of Sunshine, the intro, Jojo, Fresh New Sheets, Jojo, (laughs) Feel All Right, Jojo, but really um, something about Lift in spiral season really um, resonated with me on Sunday and definitely October sky really sat in my spirit on Sunday and that's where I've been what songs have you been listening to what do you have on repeat what do you recommend I'm ready to hear Give me some playlist suggestions. I love great music suggestions. I promise I'll listen to the song. And I'll tell you how I felt about it. (laughs) That's been taking a beat, y'all. We took our beat. Let's get on with the rest of the podcast. Episode. All right, y'all. It's time for DIY. Do it yourself. This is the part of the episode where we talk about coping skills, techniques, things you can use in your everyday life that can help you be more aware, help you be more in touch and tune with yourself. You can use in between therapy sessions before you get to therapy or just because you want to know more about how you experience the world and how in tune you are with your mental and emotional health. I wanted to talk to you today briefly about taking time to be present. We have emotional presence and physical presence. Physical presence is simply being in a space. You're in a location. Emotional presence is being able to connect with the environment, the people there, understand what's going on around you, the reactions and the responses that your body has to things going on around you, the thoughts you're having while you're there. Emotional presence. That's what I want you to focus on, being fully present in a moment. 
when you're drinking a cup of coffee on the way to work? What are you feeling as you're driving, as you're walking, as you're riding? That you aren't normally paying attention to? Because most of us, when it's time for work, especially those um, who commute, steal, or going to the office, it's kind of a blur sometimes. We can just wind up walking through the door. And it's like, oh, I'm here. No. Connect with your feelings on the way to work. How's that coffee make you feel about starting your day? Is it enough? Is it the right flavor? Is it the right amount? What are the sounds you're hearing? What are the feelings you're you're going through before you pull up? Are you clutching the steering wheel extra hard because you have some anxiety about going in? Some frustrations, you're stressed. Think about being present in conversations with other people. Are you glancing at your phone or thinking about things that you have to do? Are you really engaged in the conversation? Are you noticing the little movements that people use, the gestures that people use when they're telling you stories? Are you listening to the changes in emotionality or excitement and animation or sorrow in someone's voice when they're talking about their day or something that's going on? Are you looking someone in the eye? Are you scanning their face for emotion and connection? How close or far are you from that person? And I know, I know we're in a pepperoni pizza pandemic, but look about your loved ones, your kids, your family, your tribe. Does it feel good to sit close to someone? When's the last time you held your significant other's hand, had a hug, looked in their eyes as you told them, have a great day, I love you? When's the last time you were emotionally present before or during sex? Yeah, I went there. I just... Responding to the motions and going through the motions is normal. Are you listening to the sounds of reciprocation? Are you hearing what turned your partner on? Are you listening to and paying attention to how your body physiologically responds to this intimate time? Are you paying attention to your breathing? Are you paying attention to what your heart and your skin and your body is telling you in that moment about that person? About what you need, what you don't need, what you do like, what you could, yeah, you know, leave. <laughs> With your children, are you paying attention to how they're telling you stories about their day or how their language is forming? Are you listening to their joy, their irritation? in conversations. Are you demonstrating things for them? Are you modeling things? Are you watching movies and shows together, putting your phone down, asking them what they feel about this character, watching their their joy, their glee, their anticipation for what comes next? Be present. That's how we create memories. So many times we just go through the motions and we miss out on the best moments in life because we're physically there, but not emotionally connected. So practice moments of presence. I've given you a few. Tell me how it works for you. now time for the cool down. This is the part of the episode where we take time to focus on awareness, 
relaxation, mindfulness, and most importantly, you. Because you deserve a moment to focus on yourself. Now, if you're able to, follow along with me as I guide you through this exercise. Let's start by closing our eyes. If you can, be safe. And taking a deep breath in. deep breath in and letting it out. I want you to imagine putting a backpack on and the backpack is on your back. Secure, tightly snug. I want you to visualize the things that are burdening you, that are weighing you down, being placed in the backpack. They can be placed in the backpack by you, or you can visualize them being placed in the backpack by people around you. Yeah, I want you to imagine a bill or a situation being a book or a brick being placed in your backpack. The things that have been on your heart, your mind, that have been worrying you, that have been on your spirit, they're in this backpack and it is giving too much it is getting heavy I think it's hurting your back there's there's some tension there now I want you to take a deep breath in and I want you to let it out and in this moment I want you to visualize yourself Freeing yourself of this burden. Take this backpack off. Open it up. I want you to take out that brick related to that conversation that made you feel uncomfortable. I want you to take out the brick related to drama, worry, finances, jobs, kids. I want you to take out the brick and I want you to watch the backpack getting lighter and lighter. And as you're taking out these bricks, I want you to say this to yourself. I'm going to control how much I hold space for I'm going to control how much I carry any weight that does not belong to me I won't hold a space for now I want you to visualize a notebook with some detailed list for attacking these things, for making life lighter for you. I want you to grab a pen to accompany this notebook. Take a deep breath. Now let it out slowly. I want you to toss that pen and that notebook in your backpack. Zip it up. Put it on your back. I want you to roll your shoulders to the front. Slowly roll them to the front. Take a deep breath. Let it out. 
roll our shoulders to the back. Roll, roll, roll. Take a deep breath, let it out. I want you to touch your chest with one hand, touch your tummy, your stomach with the next. Take a deep breath, let it out. You are exhaling all of the things that don't belong to you. You are letting them go. I want you to put your hands on your shoulders or around the back of your neck. And roll your fingers. Massage your fingers in the back of your neck and around your shoulders. And slowly rotate your head or roll your head from one side right to left while you do it. Because your backpack is lighter and you're giving yourself a massage because you've let go of the things that have been so heavy on your shoulders, so heavy, weighing down on you. And now you have the things that you need that will help you eliminate the burden, process, and move on. Press through. Take our last deep breath. In. Out. Open your eyes. Today is the day that you let go of all that doesn't belong to you. You give away the burden that you don't need to hold. And you take hold of the things that are going to help you be your best self. Well, we made it to the end of an episode once again. Thank you guys so much for listening, joining me for another episode of Vividly Speaking. I appreciate you so much. Love on yourself. Be good to yourself. You deserve it. Be well. Be great. Move with intention and purpose. I will see you guys next week. Thank you for all the support. And remember, as always, do it like it's your B-Day, baby. Yeah. (laughs) We out. See you later.